So we're in somebody's trailer, and it's not our trailer, and it belongs to none of the people on this show. In the trailer, I have Alex Moss and Ryan, whose last name I don't know. Neff. Neff from Zebulon. Zebulon MSC. And uh, it's a shop in Fort Collins, Colorado. And you do, do you do predominantly aero design development or do you do like across the board race car prep? Like what's, what's your thing? So MSC stands for Motorsport Consulting. Um, so we do a lot of aerodynamics recently because that's what's popular these it's days. It's so hot right now. It's very hot. Um, and it's interesting. And that kind of, that's a very, very um, interesting aspect of motorsports. So we're, we're focusing a little bit on that. But we also do a lot of race engineering and vehicle design and analysis. So we kind of do it all. It's just if we can do it and a customer wants it, we do it. And how did you get hooked up with a deadbeat like Alex Moss? So <laughs> Alex ended up with... A secondhand wing of ours designed for the specific class that he's running in Where did that wing come from? I came from another competitor that was uh, put it up for sale. And I messaged Zebulon. Well, what, what actually happened was uh, Robert Thorne, who has Big Bad Wolf, um, and did one lap with us. Uh, he found this wing for sale and he said, you need to go buy this wing because it's the same one off my car and it's going to be a big upgrade for you. So me being me, I actually messaged Zebulon Ryan and said, hey, how much do you sell this wing for? Because it's come up used and I'm thinking of buying it and I want to make sure I'm not being... You know, I'm getting, I'm getting a good deal. Um, so Ryan started messaging me all these options and things like that and I said, look... Oh, yeah, I didn't tell him why I want... I just asked how much it was. And I said, look, I'll be perfectly honest. I'm looking at a used wing, and I just want to know if it's a good deal or not a good deal. And we got talking after that, um, and I ended up buying the wing. The wing was awesome. And so then we talked about other stuff that we could do with Zebulon. And that's kind of how we met. Okay. Um, how long ago was that? About a year ago now. It was, it was sometime mid-season last season. This is your car. I mean, you and I have known each other for, I think, two or three years now. Yeah. And- and your car has changed considerably yes. in that time. And we've done uh, a few shows about it. Yes. Um, so we don't need to rehash old stuff. What's, what's the new stuff? Uh, new stuff that we've got on um, is, since we last talked, is really just the, the arrow. So we did the, the Zebulon arrow upgrades. Um, we did the wing. We got a splitter made. Um, we did some side skirts that weren't made by Zebulon, but, but Ryan helped us. Those are mud do flaps. It was mud flaps, that's what I meant. Mud flaps that Ryan helped us use to keep the car clean because you always complained about how dirty the car was. Your car was so always dirty. So we fixed that with mud flaps. Um, and then we now have a spare splitter because we broke the splitter the first splitter sometime between uh, Gingerman and Autobahn we broke it so Ryan helped us fix or fixed it for us and then built a second one for us so that we now have a spare so we're kind of going all in on this so Ryan um, what kind of plan did Alex have when he first got talking with you I don't think aerodynamically there really wasn't a plan Um, it was 
it was literally just, hey, I have this opportunity to buy your wing. And I, anytime that we have a client, I always just want to help them make their car faster. Sure. That's, that's what I love to do. That's what uh, Zebulon is all about. Sure. And, you know, we just kind of started going down this path of, all right, well, now you have a setup in the rear that is going to, you know, work for you for this class. What else can we do? And so, you know, we just started talking about what the plans were for his car. And we f- I found out that they were kind of going through a whole revamp. And so we just started suggesting things and talking about things. And we ended up coming up with a splitter design and going with a different front lip to, to maximize splitter area. And just, just little things where it takes a little bit of, of thought and ingenuity to maximize the car for the class. And so that's kind of what we're working through right now. And how much, um, as part of the MSC business, how much time do you spend optimizing the chassis to match that aero developer? So uh, you mean like for like mechanical grip? Yeah. So we, we, we definitely help with that. However, the car was all, all already quite fast. Um, mechanically, I think you guys had decent grip already mm-hmm. with Reinhardt and everything. Um, so more our role there would have been and is adapting and helping them just kind of pointing them in the right direction to make the car work with the new aero loads because we have significantly increased aero loading and um, your suspension needs to be able to handle that. Sure. So, you know, we don't want to completely throw aside how the car is working mechanically just to maximize how we use the aero grip. Right. We have to make them work together. And sure. so that's kind of what we've been working through. And, and you guys have done a couple of things recently to, to help mm-hmm. that. So, so uh, if I remember... You were talking about doing some new control arms. Did, th- did that get done for this event? Uh, it did not. It was going to be done. Um, but So it was new control arms, new spindles, all new bushings. Um, we unpacked it on Monday. We actually got it in um, right before Audubon. We were trying to get it on from Audubon. didn't happen. Unpacked it on Monday and found that we had three rear spindles and one front spindle. That's unfortunate. It was. I was a, a tiny bit upset about it for like thirty minutes, <laughs> and then it's like, well, it is what it is, and we're just gonna have to go with the car well, we had before. As <laughs> as the car set up for this event, anyway, you're you're going to be running fast. You're already running fast, but you're not on what you would call prime setup for this weekend, anyway. You're on spare trans, spare diff. Uh, yeah. So. It's, it's a great opportunity to get some points, but it's not as if you're, you're putting your absolute best effort into Pikes Peak as an event. Well, you um, still want to win, right? Huh? You still want to win, right? Yeah, we still want to win. No, we, we always Yeah, play. but there's, I think there's a difference between winning an event and maximizing the potential of the car. Absolutely. We, we always put, I mean, we always put our best effort into an event. Um, and it, what, what it turned out to be was, you know, through circumstance... And through timing and things like that, our best um, path or, or, or the way for us to put the best car on track for this weekend with the best chance of success was to go with spare trans, spare diff, 
and the suspension that we had at, at Autobahn. Mm-hmm. Um, I we are not. I wouldn't say we're we're taking um, a half-hearted approach to this event. I mean, any time that we're we're taking five days, six days off to come to an event and haul it's, halfway across the country. It's a hike country. to get out here, for sure. Yeah, it's, it, we're putting our best foot forward and, and, you know, we're doing all the same things that we would normally Otherwise do. Otherwise normally do for preparation. Yeah. yeah. So um, so I'm, I'm in the trailer and I'm looking at a very large carbon <laughs> side skirt, probably. What can you tell me about this, so this device? So this is actually, this is a flap. This is a second element to a multi-element wing that... Uh, one of my other guys that has some some stuff we've designed for him, um, who's running in street mod, okay, could not run this because we can't run dual element wings. So that's, we do we do that's a, true. You can't run dual element. Yeah. Wings. So we we do modular setups like this. Um, okay. And so we were, you know, we were he had a little bit of foresight to take this off, uh, so that he didn't get in trouble. It's a good call. Yeah. But um, um, his car is designed as a dual purpose street mod car for this and then also street mod in SCCA solo. Okay, cool. Yeah, to me, street mod SCCA solo is, it's a wild animal. Like, I think street mod in grid life is close to streetable cars, like at the limit of a streetable car. Street mod in SCCA is, is out of control. Yes and no. I mean, you have a lot more rules in SCCA classes, but the rules are so different that you have to, you have to very specifically design something to work really well in that situation. And we can, we can do that to an extent and still make it modular. Like he, like his setup is so that he can come out here and run with you guys and then throw the stuff that he's going to autocross with on and it's just small changes now is this when you, this person is this chris this is chris gladu okay uh so it's the it's the it's the 0506 sti okay outside um and uh yeah so he would throw this flap on and it's adjustable and it's a pretty it's a pretty aggressive flap and it changes the aero balance of the car quite significantly but that's what we want for autocross so for how long has Zebulon been in business kind of doing this kind of work? So Zebulon has existed since 2013, 2014, and it was always a side project. Uh, my brother and I went through um, an engineering program at Colorado State University, and um, we built a little race car called a Formula SAE car. Did sure. that several years, did that through grad school, and we loved it. But there was really no, like, job for that, unless you wanted to go be a race engineer, which is actually what my brother does Okay. Um, over on the East Coast. But I really like the development side and the design side, and there are literally no jobs in that um, this day and age. So we just started to kind of do our own thing on the side, start out with some friends that we had, and, you know, they started started giving us feedback that was extremely positive so we just put more and more time into just it kept going into it yeah I, I don't know that the story is the same but I there's there's a younger company in Indianapolis called Veris engineering yeah and like I follow them on Instagram and it seems like they are an upstart company of similar type and now they have you know a billion CNC machines and 3d printers and that's that's just what they do certainly so uh, I've I've chatted with 
uh, Paul a couple times um, at Varus because he's the he's the CFD guy and the design guy there, and um, you know I I I like those guys and they've definitely scaled up a lot more. Um, we focus a lot more on analysis and design, and I think they focus a lot more on the manufacturing yeah. and sales aspect. Yep. Um, but they have the ability to do it all, and so so do we. But. Uh, you know, we've just focused on a little bit, a little bit different stuff. Like more, more service, I guess, or service oriented. Absolutely. Like um, I'm going straight from here to the airport to fly to VIR to do uh, a test with GT3 Cup. You know, like that's that's kind of what sure. what we do most of the time, rather than just try and pump parts out. Except so, parts, yep. no offense, Paul. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of parts, what's uh, what's planned for the S2? I think I don't know if you've talked about it on the show. Uh, yeah, we talked about it. So, so the immediate plan, um, and by immediate, we hoped for this event. Didn't happen for this event. So, I'm I'm now hoping for Road America um, is a complete. It almost feels like a complete rebuild, to be honest. But it's an all new drivetrain. Um, so BMW seven speed DCC trans, um, Ford eight point eight rear diff, which might be different from last time we talked. We talked. Now, now we recently Ford 8.8. That That's like a heavy duty type diff. Uh, it's a big diff, but it's it's an aluminum diff out of the Ford Explorer. Okay. Um, and it is about the same weight as an S2. It's physically a lot bigger, but it's it's um, about the same weight as the S2 diff. Okay. Um, and then we've got the wife swap suspension kit going on, which gives us the the drop spindles and all that kind of stuff to to give us a little bit more. Um, alignment adjustability and a little bit less unsprung mass and you know that kind of stuff which that should be a that i'm thinking is going to be a setup and durability thing not a huge performance gain for us uh with the exception being you the gearing on the s2 is so short and your car makes so much power that you in particular spend you spend a lot of time changing gears yeah right like even at gingerman you're talking about three four five six you know Five, four, three. Yeah. Gingerman is uh, eight upshifts, eight downshifts per lap. That's a lot. Gingerman. And Autobahn is uh, something like 13 or 14 total shifts. Yeah. Autobahn, I think, maybe one less. Yeah. One less. It's, it's a lot. And uh, yep. certainly at Barber, your car was shifting a lot as well. Yep. So, you know, I imagine on factory power S2, the gearing was great. But yeah. not... You're you're probably close to triple factory output, if not more. Uh, two and a, about two and a half times, actually. Yeah, about two and a half times, I would say. So Ryan, right. um, you have a background in motorsport. Do you do you drive also, or do you mostly consult and come to events like this to to assist? I drive when I get the chance. Uh, right now, I don't have. A vehicle that is very capable for a time attack event or anything sure. like that. So, I co-drive it at Solo Nationals every year whenever it's going on. It's not this year. Um, it's a I was. Big hit. That, it's it's such a popular event. It's like, it's so much fun. It's more about just like seeing the same the same people that you don't get to see any other time and and chatting with. For me, chatting with guys that I've I've designed parts for, or built parts for, or, or you know X Y Z. It's it's a load of fun. Autocross is a whole different animal. I like it because dynamically, the vehicle setup is is so different from from road racing, 
and it's it's a lot about driver not that i'm the best driver but it's still a lot of fun um i was supposed to drive here actually and this trip came up that i have to leave for so i couldn't actually drive got it now alex you have some autocross experience but that's never been a huge focus i feel like your car would probably do well I used to autocross a lot, actually. And first, so, <laughs> my, I mean, my background is in autocrossing. Um, not, I never went to nationals, didn't do a lot with SCCA, but more local club stuff. Um, Madison Sports Car Club in 2006, I won seven out of eight events, FTD, with That's my old quick, Evo. Um, that, that was the highlight of my competitive motorsports career for 14 years until well we'll see how the rest of this year goes um but until we started setting records here um but yeah I, I used to do a lot of autocrossing um the reason I've backed out I, I always from a an investment perspective and in, in investing your resources in in your hobby which this is what this is it's it's you know leisure time when we come out to these events sure Autocross is a great hobby when you have a lot of time and not a lot of money to invest. Um, and Time Attack is the exact opposite of that. Um, that it's a lot more of a dollar investment and less of a time investment sure. for me. Um, and as my professional career took its trajectory um, and I had more money and less time i gravitated more to big track stuff and sure less to um chasing cones shagging cones too during right that. it's it's the working the event and things like that now time attack when i say it, I, time attack earlier i really mean big track stuff you know track days and things like that time attack is is kind of both you invest a lot of time and a lot of money <laughs> for not a lot of track time that's true but it's it is very rewarding <laughs> well and uh, you and i have talked at length about one lap of america and uh, i love one lap it's probably one of my favorite events on the annual calendar um that event is interesting because it's it's basically a year's worth of track days in, in expense in one event yeah but the amount of track time that you get is remarkably little yeah it's tiny but you're, you're paying for an extraordinary level of competition yeah, one one lap of America is. I, Andy Hollis said this. It's 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 not a uh, hundred teams or eighty teams, whatever it is, competing against each other. It's it's eighty teams competing against the event, and that's definitely true. Um, we're all in it together to to, and we're competing against each other, but but we're really all trying to see the end of the event together, yep. and helping each other out and things like that. Um, it is also true that it's it's truly one of those events that's mo it's about the journey, not about the destination. It's it's really not about the results at the end. It's about the experience you get on the. Well, I have a friend uh, who was my co-driver when I drove sixteen, and um, we drove the Evo, and it was it was kind of crazy because um, it was somewhat unreliable at times, but. I think that's part of the experience. In years since then, he's driven nearly stock or completely stock cars at the event. And I just can't imagine that being that much fun. Like, the car is quick, for sure. But if you're not, like, 
dealing with some kind of drama, I think it would be kind of boring. It's like a lot of time in the car, and it's just like, it's a road trip, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've only done one, so it's it's hard to say. Um, we didn't have a ton of drama on ours. We had one day of crank bolts, crank pulley bolts coming out for no apparent reason, and then that was it. I think we had to weld up a supercharger bracket or something like that on it as well. And by we, Andy. Um, but it was... I don't know if it would have been better if we had more problems. I, I was I, no, quite I happy. I'm not saying that <laughs> pleasure on the event is proportional to the number of problems. I'm just saying I think you need some problems just to break up the monotony. Well, driving... I, I think... I agree to a certain extent. I mean, we had the thing with the, the TTRS guys, right? That they had their heated seats and they had their radio and they had all those kinds of things. And Annie and I were driving the most obnoxiously loud and uncomfortable little S2000 for the same amount of time. And they were they were laughing at us. I... I think it was more fun in a horrible streetcar than in a great well, streetcar. Well, I, I think that's where the memory is, right? Yeah. Like, if you just, like, drive a car that's just like, oh, yeah, we just took it on a road trip, we did some track days, that's really not that big a deal. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but, you know, winning is winning also. Yeah, they and, won. And I am the biggest fan of the TTRS. Do you do you have any drivers that are developing uh, that car for anything? So we have been approached to develop some stuff for the TTRS. It's in the works. The TTRS, as as like the same person or just broadly, broad broadly. Okay. Um, I can't really say, but it, we try to keep a little bit of the things that we do currently under our wing just. You know, there's a competitive advantage that that sure. people are paying for, and um, so. But the I TTRS think I said it on is the show, a though that the TTRS is probably the most capable car that no one's driving, especially for one lap. I mean, like you said, they you know <laughs> it, it's a it's a fantastic street car. Um, is it going to come out here and beat Alex in his S2000 around this track? Probably not. I, I don't know. It might. Maybe. But it really might. It might. But <laughs> I, I would be. I think in street, maybe it's a toss in up. street mod, it might be hampered just a little bit because of a two fifty five tire requirement. Yeah, the weight is the weight is is pretty detrimental. But in in street GT or in track mod, put as much tire as you want underneath it. So uh, that car has so much potential. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fast. And the D, uh, the DCT is wicked. I, I rode with Micaiah at Barber, and he just left it in auto and just, like, turned out banger lap after banger lap on old RS4 tires. It's smarter than you. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally. It's, that, it's really good. Yeah. It's, it, it, uh, that's, the, that's the way of the future. You know, you get, a, you get a manual transmission to have fun on the street, and you get, you get something that's computer-controlled for the racetrack or, at, at the very least, a DCT or something where yeah. you're saving several seconds a lap just because of your shift times. So you've been doing this for a few years. Um, what's been the most fun project you've worked on? Uh, I guess I can talk about this now because the car has been released. Um, I got to just recently redesign the entire body for the Elan DPO2, which was the old IMSA lights 
chassis. Neat. Uh, yeah, and so all those cars now have gone to the private sector where the people are running them in the SCCA and NASA and things like that. And so these guys wanted something that's updated and and is going to work better for them. So we spent probably six months working through uh, baselining and then the redesign and then our manufacturing partner for that Hurley Racing Products up in Michigan they they banged out a couple of uh, a couple bodies just tested them at Road America and so far it's been extremely extremely rewarding the cars are going to be extremely fast and that's kind of that kind of got me my my real race car fix that I sure. that time attack cars are awesome I love them uh, and I will probably drive them more than anything else uh, whenever I get the chance to but you know that kind of stuff is, is really cool too yeah pro racing is weird it's like uh, pro race cars are just uh, they're crazy and so uh, I live in northwest Indianapolis area and Brownsburg is just a little bit west of where I live and it happens to be a hub for a lot of major teams. Sure. Um, and one of our uh, uh, grid life consultants that works with us on occasion, Gary, happened to be the like race crew chief for uh, Wayne Taylor's Super Trofeo program last year. And uh, that was a story I told on a previous podcast, but Gary called me up like, in October. He's like, hey, I'm in Brownsburg uh, working on the Super Travails. Do you want to come see? I was like, yes. Yes, I do. And uh, pro race cars are just, they're, they're just a different animal. It, it really is. Um, it's really cool to see, because I, I, I get to do that stuff quite often when I do fly-ins and, and race engineering for, for IMSA, IMSA teams and, and things like that. And um, I really love being able to take what we do there and kind of apply it with these guys and help help them turn their cars into into a more professional race car and to be quite honest alex did it all on his own i didn't even need to suggest some of the things that he did like with your with your pdm and and everything like that so it's really cool uh i love seeing that type of technology trickle down this way and legitimately that trickle down is why zebulon exists yeah. Well, like, there are elements of pro racing that I don't like at all. But pro, in part, pro racing, the the professionalism in part comes from the crews and all of the people that put together the setup for the car. Absolutely. And, uh, sometimes you compare that in contrast to Time Attack, where there's like five dudes in a trailer and they're screaming at each other while they're changing an engine. That would That's not what happens on a pro team necessarily, because they're on like a squeaky clean shop floor that you could eat off of and there's no drama anywhere. It's just, it, sometimes it's different. Yes and no. Uh, you know, th- that it's going to happen everywhere, but um, there's definitely fun in that, like where it's you and your buds in the trailer working on a car. We just spent three hours diagnosing a car problem here um, on, on Mike Forsythe's Trackmon car. And so, you know, I, I like that. I definitely like that aspect of, of this too, because at a at, at the racetrack when I'm with a team, I'm up in the office or, or doing whatever you know, and 
it's very separated. Here, sure. you're all together. You're working together. You're bouncing ideas off of off of off of other guys. You know, like you know, there's a there's a there's a community here that you probably don't get at the racetrack at a pro event. You know what? And um, this might surprise you, but I'm missing that a little bit as well. So. The first couple of events that Gridlife did this year because of COVID, I stayed home because we were having a baby and I didn't, it was Moss who talked me out of coming to events because uh, he was like, no, if you get, if you get sick, you won't be able to go to the hospital. And he was right. Um, but recently I've been doing more Gridlife runs, a live blog during the event and try to capture what's happening uh, in real time. And also I've been conned into doing the live stream. So almost always I'm up in the tower now instead of down in the paddocks bullshitting with everyone else and I'm, I'm sad I miss that <laughs> we'll come but down it, and talk but it's us. so hot <laughs> god really it was hot. hot today I mean you came down and you came down and chatted for a little while a today a few minutes so, yeah. yeah I said I said to Andy today I was complaining that it was hot I said it's gotta be 100 degrees here and Andy said no it's not that bad so I opened my phone so it was 99 yeah. So um, technically correct is the right kind of correct. The best kind of correct, they say. Yeah, but it it's a quite dry as as heat. That's what we say <laughs> you know here. But it's a dry heat. I, I hate that phrase because when it's dry heat and it's windy, still hot. it feels like a hairdryer. It's miserable. It's, it's still hot. Um, and, and we do a really, every year at Autobahn in July, in Joliet, it's like 5 million degrees. And it was hotter today. It had to have been. Yeah, it was it was hotter. Yeah, it was worse today than an autobahn. An autobahn was the same this year as every other year. Today was a fantastic day to test your cooling ability, your car's cooling ability. How's um, your cooling? Um, not great. I mean, it's time attack cooling. Um, so it it got hot. Um, and it will not cool itself down and. And just sitting and idling and running fans and it that doesn't it, help. It will no, not. No, really. the temperature will keep going up. Really, it's like it gets to a critical mass and then it just keeps so going like up a, and up and it's up. It's like a nuclear reactor. It's yeah. a chain reaction here. Yeah. So you just got to shut it off and hope. Now, it doesn't do you have the down. ability? Like, does the fan stay running even though you shut the car off? I can run the fan, but there's not too much point if the if you're not circulating. It's convection. It's, yeah. If you're not circulating coolant, what's the point of it's convection running the fan? Um. I don't know. Uh, do you think that more ducting or uh, kind of sealing up the front end a little bit would help or not really? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've got tons of opportunity to, to do that. Um, car stays cool at our regular events, so there's more low-hanging fr- I mean, we'll deal with the cooling issue out here. We can, we'll still be able to run a lap here. Um, we, we ran into the cooling issue after I ran three hard-ish laps in a row. Which is more than you would normally do, yeah. given that this is kind of a new track for right. you. So Right. So, I mean, that we're not going to optimize. As much as we'd like to have our Road America Aero package, and we'd like to have our, our Pikes Peak cooling package, we're not going to optimize to that level at, for one event. We're not quite there yet. So, Ryan, what can you say about Alex's Road America Aero package? Is Road it a America. secret? Um... I bet it's it's low drag. (laughs) Obviously, Road America is a low drag track. In fact, in the pro world, Road America and Daytona are the only two quote-unquote low drag tracks in the United States. Um, A time attack car 
there's a couple of things that we can do and we probably will but that's not something I would really want to give up <laughs> just on this podcast um, so there, there's there's low hanging fruit that we're gonna that we're absolutely going to address um, that's a lot easier to address than say trying to make your car cool here in Colorado yeah. because if you literally on a day like today if you can get your car to cool here then it will cool everywhere sure so um, but even if we say don't optimize your aero for Road America the car's still going to be fast <laughs> so it's a little different I suppose. Now, the record at Road America in Street Mod is held by Dewey, uh, who lost a motor today. Uh, rest in peace. We're very, very sorry to hear that. Um, he did a 222. Any predictions on what you think the top Street Mod cars will do this year? If uh, history is anything to go on, fast on the 222. It's, we haven't had a record stand. I mean, every every track event has broken a record this year, whether it's been uh, me or Sean or Jackie or Jackie again this weekend. A uh, record has been broken. And Dewey actually in the fall. Yeah. Every single 2020 event has seen a new street mod overall record. So I, I'm curious, Ryan's perspective, you've got a, a car like Alex's, which is effectively a 20-year-old chassis design. Um, if you compare that to the new Supra, if, if a customer came to you with a new Supra, would would the challenges be different or would would the newer chassis take to aero development more easily? Or is it all kind of like everyone's starting from a, an even playing field that you can work from? So aerodynamically, you would still approach it very similarly. Um, the big problem is the weight. A new car weighs a lot. They're bigger, so their footprint is larger. So you're going to have more drag. There's there's just a lot to think about when when you ask that question. So uh, I don't know that I could give you a, an answer that would go in our allotted time here. But aerodynamically, uh, it, we would we would take a very similar similar approach and just have to manage things a little bit more. But to be quite honest, I think a car like the Supra is going to have to focus more on generating really great mechanical grip and mechanical setup because they're not going to get the gains from aero loading that a light car like Alex's would just based on tire dynamics and, and how they actually work. So can they obviously be fast? Yes. Uh, is, is that a potential problem? Maybe. But with time attack, there's a lot going on. So, yeah. Well, I think in the newer cars, there's just so much tech like sometimes it's a hindrance right because you have to spend time and effort to try and figure out how to get these electronic systems to just basically shut up and let you do what you want uh, but then sometimes like uh, Jackie's transmission is seemingly working just about as perfectly as you'd, you'd hope for in a conventional automatic so uh, in your case you're having to do extra work on the S2 to try and close that gap at least from that one system the the advantages the advantages to a new car in, in that regard are are immense, definitely, and you're just playing catch up with your with your impending uh, DCT swap. So you're absolutely right. But to close the gap, it's just going to take a little bit of extra effort on Alex's part. The new cars, 
you know, people have said that, oh, they drive themselves or whatever. They don't, but they make it a lot easier to drive. You can focus more on driving. Well, I I think at the end of the day, if you compare, you know, your S2 to Jackie's Supra, you're talking about 500 pounds at least in difference in weight. And it's, it's just so hard to make up that difference, right? Like, I think conventionally in time attack, lighter is always going to be better as a starting point. Uh, yeah, I think I I I think there's, there's advantages and disadvantages to to anything you have. Um, the one thing you know I would say is I I don't know what Jackie has invested in his car. Um, I would guess it's something similar to what I have invested in in my car. Um, I wish if I wanted to sell my car, it was worth as much of as, as a super was worth right now. Um, and it's it's just a case that it's not. Um, there's certain things like that transmission. Is I, I would say if I was to point to one thing that 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 Supra has as a benefit over what we have, it's that transmission. Sure. Um, and that and that is an inherent advantage to that car. Um, an inherent disadvantage is the weight of the car like ryan said that that you can't get around um another inherent an inherent advantage is all of the electronic um components that all work together and talk together and are fully integrated and and make the cars as a package work really well um but then as soon as you try and change one of them that becomes then a disadvantage to the car because once you change your shocks, for instance, now the whole system is saying, well, I don't know what that component's doing, right? and so I'm not going to play ball anymore. We don't have that. I mean, we have a simple um, system where we can replace individual components without having have to worry about... But then it's your my... job to basically build the system, right? Even though they're not all talking to each other, it's your yeah. job to manage those components right. together. But but we don't have to worry about what the you know the 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 active steering or, or the steering system wants to do based on the fact that it can't read what the rear shock travel's doing anymore. Sure. You know, and, and I don't know that the steering's talking to the suspension in the Supra. Sure. But I guess it is. I I would imagine it is. Well, your comment about how how you wish your car was worth as much as his. Time Attack is interesting because it's one of the few activities that I can think of where you take you take a car that could be worth, let's say, $20,000, and then you spend $50,000 making that car faster. And in the end, you'd be lucky if you have a car that's worth $20,000. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's depressing. And unless you... Um, the, there's exceptions to it. Um, and if you can find the right person not that i'm looking to get rid of the car i'm not i'm that that car i'm keeping forever um but if you if you can find the right buy you could you can maximize value potentially um if you have somebody who just is desperate for an s2000 and wants the fastest s2000 they can find and and robert thorns desperately wants to hang on to his so they have to settle for mine the Um, second fastest s2 (laughs) then then i think you know, there's an opportunity there, but but really, it's somewhat of a throwaway comment. But but fact is that, yeah, we we spend an awful lot of money turning a a 
$10,000 car into a really fast $12,000 car. <laughs> That's pretty true. So uh, we're into this for about 40 minutes. Where can people find you on social or a website? Are you looking for new clients? We're always looking for new clients. We, we have a list of things that we're doing. So, you know, we're very bespoke as far as aero development. So if you, if you are interested in talking to us about that, shoot us an email or a Facebook message, Instagram message, whatever, uh, zebulonmsc.com. And, you know, we can get you on our, our manufacturing list for bespoke things. I do have a couple of things that we do get manufactured for us. And then if you're interested in having us do some chassis development or CFD or anything like that, you know, we're, we, we would love to play ball and help you out there. So that stuff is uh, first come, first serve as well. Gotcha. And uh, Alex, you've got some new hats. I like those. Yes. Uh, people can follow you on at, on Facebook on Super K Adventures. Is yep. that right? Super K Adventures. We got new hats and we've got new stickers. Um, and I got to figure out. So we we I got the hats made to give away to people that have helped us along the way. Is just a small. Why thing. on earth did you give one to me? Yeah, that was a secret. Well, basically to bribe you into to making sure all the rules go I my have, way. I have no power. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're going to have some left over, so i got to figure out how I want to give those away and, and find a way to like, get and, them out into people's hands. Uh, once, once this year is complete, are you anticipating running 2021 one lap? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we want to do one more one lap with the S2. Um, and then, Well, I think we want to. I want to do one more year with the S2. Um, I think we're all in agreement on that. And then, then it will be retired from street duty entirely. Um, and we'll probably get a full cage at that point because the thought of hitting something in this car is kind of scary at the oh, speeds no we're doing. Uh, what was it? You and I at Barber, we were just going out in the rain and like... We were going really slow. We were point. very slow, but that was enough to be like, oh, well, you know, if this car touched the wall, it's not going to be great. Right, right. Anyway, um, thank you guys for being on the show. Uh, maybe if we're lucky, this will come out on Saturday if I can uh, do some production tomorrow morning. But we really appreciate you guys. Thank you for coming to our event uh, in the middle of COVID and uh, having a good time. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pit City Grid Live to say hello. Hello.